Okay, welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Um, today we have a lovely returning guest, Dr. Thomas Lodi. I think he was on episode somewhere between 10 to 20 back in August, September. Um, we've brought him back by popular demand. I just made that up, but I'm sure he's... I'm sure it's up there. No, actually, I've talked to a lot of uh, people and they said, bring them back, bring them back. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Rebecca, uh, uh, Bella Riddell. Bella said she loved this podcast. Actually, uh, your podcast on our, um, I can measure it on our Spotify. It has like the most views or sorry, most listens. Um, we always forget to say we are a medicinal supplement company. We actually will be a product coming out soon. We'll just be doing lion's mane, uh, reishi and cordyceps as a basic product. And then we have some really cool nootropics coming out with those mixes. I'm going to keep it very simple for you guys. Uh, just six products. Um, and we'll explain that all later again. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe. Where is it here? Smash the like, hit that bell notification, and let's get this party started. Okay, uh, Dr. Thomas, thanks a lot for joining us or coming back again. Um, like we explained before, we're just going to chat, and there, there's no real direction on this one today. Um, so since the last time you went on, we, we had some discussions about um, some marketing you were doing, and it looks like you've kind of moved forward and you've done some interesting content on YouTube. Could you recap maybe some of the latest topics that you are discussing and, um, and, and why? Well, you know, actually, I'm not sure what shows up ultimately on YouTube because I've been doing mostly live streams. And I think, I think what they do is they, they... Someone's bringing them over from your Instagram then. Right. Yeah. So it's Instagram, Facebook, it's a simultaneous live stream on both. Yeah. And um, it's every, like in Thailand, it's every Monday morning at 7 a.m., which is East Coast is uh, 8 p.m. Maybe um, you can explain, and might as well while we're talking about it, for people that want to find you on Instagram to find this live stream and, and this content and YouTube, how can they find you? Well, I, I'm at Dr. Thomas Lodi, I think. I think it's quite easy, yeah. Yeah, at Dr. Thomas Lodi. I've typed it in before. If you just kind of go on Instagram and type in Dr. Thomas Lodi and type the same on YouTube, it comes up right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I, I just do live streams where I, it's, it's the, the basic format is question and answer. So I get, I get a lot of questions sent in to me. But I usually, not all the time, but maybe 90% of the time, have a topic I want to talk about a little bit at the beginning. So... Um, you know, recently, some of the topics that I've talked about, you know, of course, it's all related to cancer, but like um, <clears throat> estrogen receptor positive cancers, uh, certain drugs, chemotherapy, is it, uh, should I have a chemotherapy? Is it ever useful? Um, uh, how about radiation, radiotherapy? Is mm. it, you know, is, it, there's a, is there a place for it? Surgery, I got to have surgery because I can't go to the bathroom. Um, blocking, you know. So yeah, so there. Uh, so I discuss certain topics like that. Um, I discuss um, immunotherapies, uh, and that's very important, especially now with uh, with uh, our current situation on this planet. Good, is good to, word usage. Is to have your um, <laughs> is to have your immunity. In fact, you always want to have your immunity um, in the most powerful mode it can be, and uh, it's very interesting if you think about. Um, you want to have muscles, right? You want to be buff. Uh, you're going to go to the gym and you're going to do resistance training. And if you do resistance training, you're going to develop muscles. Okay. Um, if you want to be smart, you're going to read books. You're going to debate. You're going to uh, 
attend seminars. You're going to do things like that. Um, that watch watch your YouTube videos. Right, watch my YouTube videos. <laughs> Exercise your brain, yeah. right? If you want to have a, a strong immune system, what you've got to do is be exposed to microorganisms. Okay, that's, what it, that's what it's all about. And it's very interesting that um, when we look at, and these are, these are published studies, when we look at um, children that are growing up in the ghetto versus children that are growing up in either uh, middle to upper uh, income fam families or neighborhoods, um, the ones in the ghetto have much stronger immune systems. They don't get atopy. They don't get allergies. They don't get all those things that are that 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 the um, rich kids get. And that's because the rich kids are living in sterile environments. Everything's scrubbed and washed, and their immune system really doesn't get a chance to work out. So you can imagine if you're born into that kind of family and everything is being washed before you get it, um, and you might, <clears throat> you know, for hopefully you had a vaginal birth. You came through your mother's vaginal canal because if you did that then you got her microorganisms and that's very very important so but but a lot of people now are getting c-sections people are even getting c-sections just because they don't want to for their husband's sake so their husband's still yeah we, we had a, a natural birthing doctor on uh recommended by wade dr robert bitter and he he uh he really uh dug deep into the natural birthing process as well right. and the importance of that the importance and then yeah. the breastfeeding mm. um yeah so and then breastfeeding, you also get some passive immunity. But the immune system needs to be strong. So, um, for example, think about it when you, um, a lot of health products have colostrum. Now, the reason they have colostrum from cows is because cows, if you look at them, if you watch them, they've got their face in the dirt and the, and the, and the feces all day long. That's where their face is. So they have a continual exposure to microorganisms. So their immune systems are really powerful. And in fact, all animals are. We know that uh, many animals eat their own feces. Um, not all the time, but they'll eat it periodically because they instinctively know that they need to get back some microorganisms. So, um, Is that also your, because of the soil you're, you're getting natural vitamin B as well that's really building up the immune system? Or right. Is that... well, well, yeah. For, so, for example, vitamin B12 yes. is, a, um, is a substance that's produced only by microorganisms. It's not produced by animals. So when they say, well, he's a vegan, so he's going to be B12 deficient, so that proves that veganism is not natural. Well, it turns out that um, you didn't get it from the cow or the bull that you ate. The bull got it from the microorganisms that it ate. And what we've learned about um, these uh, organisms that produce um, cyanocobalamin, which is B12, um, they live right now, in most of us, we'll find them in our colons. And they can produce it, but, but we can't absorb it in our colons. We can only absorb it in our ileum, which is the last part of the small intestine. Mm -hmm. So if you can somehow get those microorganisms to migrate northward, north of the ileocecal valve into the small intestines, and then they're producing the B12, you'll be able to absorb it. Can you do that naturally? You can do that by changing your diet to a vegetarian diet. Mm. By doing that, by having more fiber, by, by changing all that, you change your gut flora, actually. Mm. And these guys become plentiful, and they migrate. So, and that, it's a, that's a good topic. So typically, let's say your diet, are you, I know we spoke about this before, and um, maybe you should quickly explain like your position as well as being uh, an integrative, uh, involved in integrative oncology, um, that, that is your background, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just so in case anyone's their first time listening to you on this podcast, um, can you talk about your diet and specifically why and how that, how that also ties into your discussing this part of, of the colon and being able to produce B12 naturally? Right. Well, <clears throat> um, 
Strangely enough, the topic of what humans should eat is still debating, being debated. Uh, and I, I really don't, I don't, I don't, I can't comprehend it. But because when we look at ourselves anatomically and physiologically, um, we are um, vegetarian. Um, and we, and that's because of the length of our small intestines. The fact that we still have a cecum, it's not a large cecum, but we still have a cecum. We have um, a fairly large colon. Um, and if you look at <clears throat> animals, you'll, You'll, you'll realize that they can get you, you, what you eat and what is absorbed in your small intestines is quick. You get quick energy. So, for example, let's look at some of our cousins, the chimp, the bonobo, the orangutan, and the gorilla. Okay? So, the, the chimp and the orangutan, both of them, their relationship between their thumbs and their other fingers, the thumb is way down here. It's like to hear. It's like to hear. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way they can grip. I mean, that they, they, they can oppose and have any fine movement, right? Um, the gorilla is like us. The gorilla has that ability to do this. And if you watch a gorilla, a gorilla is sitting on the ground, not moving around a lot. They hang out on the ground, and they're picking apart things. They need that to pick apart and pull and all that. They need that dexterity. Well, the the orangutan and the chimp, they just have these really long fingers, four fingers, and this one is just to grab on on the bottom, and they're swinging around. So they're swinging in the trees, and they're eating fruit. And so therefore, their, the relationship of their small intestine to their large intestine is larger. They have a larger the, the ratio. is larger because, that, because what they're doing is they're absorbing energy at a quick rate. And look at them. They're more energetic. They're swinging around. and they're Compared to the all, gorilla. Compared yeah. to the gorilla. The gorilla's just hanging out. Yeah. <clears throat> and the gorilla is what we call a hindgut fermenter. So he's sitting on the ground, he or she, sitting on the ground. And by the way, um, this may be politically incorrect. But uh, uh, I mean, it, it's, but I have to say it. And that is, um, there are no trans. Gorillas. There are no trans gorillas. Not and, yet. And there's no gay gorillas. And there's no, but I'm not saying that's, a, that's a you, bad. You think there are no. Uh, no, there are. Actually, I might have a cat that's gay. Yeah, so, I've, I've heard. I've heard. My Bella told me your dog was gay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's, but maybe that's like uh, um, it's changing based on the owners. I don't well, know. I have that's two. Whole... I have two males and one female cat. Yeah, and the one male's always on on the male. Mm. Doesn't even go near the female. So yeah. So you know, yeah. so so that sort of thing. Um, but just think about it in terms of um, terms in terms of our ability to 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 persist. Uh, as a species, we need to have heterosexual things. Otherwise, there's going to be no children. Until, and I, I guess we're, we're coming up on the, to the point where we don't need that. We can just remove sperm and eggs and do it in the dish, and we're, and we're all done. We can have- well, I, I was reading some article, and again, I think we're going to go on a lot of like different tangents and maybe come back to the topics. But I was reading an article that there's something in our food and our water that they've been giving us for the past 100 years that is basically making men become more feminine by lowering our testosterone levels, whether that's, uh, again, by the food. Do you have any thoughts of that? Have you read about this? Yeah, well, no, well, there is. I, I'm not sure the length of time it's been going on, but there are a lot of substances that were, that were fed that are hormone disruptors. Is that done on purpose, and if so, why? Yeah, um, well, it's done, it's done on purpose, um, and it was done also, uh, but a lot of it was found... Um, found by accident because what they you know they were doing is in the processing of, of foods and making it cheaper so they can you know make more money they found that and then just their scientific studies they found out oh but it also lowers sperm count and those those sorts of things um 
There's, there, there's, so they you, were not, they weren't in doing it intentionally at that time. They, they probably both, They're probably both trying to Be, doing it intentionally. Because uh, uh, Phil, I introduced you to Phil. Yeah, uh, he was on the podcast. I do recall him explaining that um, this kind of happened during the army after World War II because you needed rations. They needed to be able to, you know, uh, travel with these preservative products, and then that kind of carried over back into the the how you have that 1950s housewife and, mm. and how can you make quick dinners fast and stuff like that, which involves the preservatives. Therefore, uh, in the end, inevitably lowering testosterone because you've added, you know, all this shit to your, but your it's, food. but it's not only lowering testosterone because testosterone is just one of the, you know, cholesterol becomes pregnenolone, pregnenolone becomes, um, DHEA or, or pregnenolone can go this way and become progesterone and then become cortisol. And, but anyway, so the DHEA down to testosterone, estro, estrogens, uh, and, the, and the estrogens, which are estrone, estradiol, and estriol. So you can do that. So what's being damaged, actually, is the DHEA, and then the metabolic pathways in which they, which they travel. So you wind up, so for example, if I give too much DHEA to a female, she might wind up getting masculinized, mm. whereas with a male, it's going to have a different effect. Um, so, because DHEA is also necessary to produce cortisol, you know, so anyway. So should we be supplementing DHEA or how can we get yeah. that naturally? Yeah, mostly, uh, well, it, naturally it comes in plants, just like, uh, estrogens come in plants. And but you see these DHEA pills. Um, I usually, if I buy supplements, I like this company called Life Extensions. Mm -hmm, I just find good. their quality is quite good. Mm -hmm. Um, it's quite, it's expensive, let's say for a supplement, but. Is it okay to supplement this stuff? Do you believe in supplements at that yeah, yeah. level or are they all? No, no, you have to. The only, the only way that we would never have to have supplemented or even considered it is if we were living a natural life and we were having all of our biological needs met, right? So if we're living a natural life and we have access to all the foods that we were designed to eat, you know, the, the biological niche out of which we arose, you know, there'd be all the plants and we'd be eating them all that. We'd be getting the sunshine. We'd be, all those things would be happening. So we wouldn't have to think about it or even consider it. But because we're getting, because our food supply has been damaged in multiple, multiple ways over, over the last. Due to pesticides, GMO primarily. Right. And so, and also the soil's been leached. You know, we, we you know, we can't, they were, there was, it was, uh, there was a lot of articles in the 1920s. What's it? Uh, tilling. Oh. Tilling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the night, yeah, that's really bad stuff. Uh, in the 1920s, a lot of articles about the soil was depleted of selenium back in the 20s, right? So you can imagine by now. So and that's by doing these monocrops, right, where they just do one crop year after year after year, and they only yeah. add in uh, what is it, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus. So this it's not intentional. It's purely both. capitalism, monetary game, or what do you, what do you mean intentional? Well, both. Yeah. Because, because on top of it all, if you go back to the turn of the uh, of the uh, 20th century, 19th to the 20th century, um, the early 1900s, um, Rockefeller and his group, um, Rockefeller worked with a guy named Charles Barnet. Charles? I forget his first name. Anyway, Bernay, Edward Bernay. Yeah, Edward Bernay. Which Rockefeller? Which We're talking uh, about Junior. Okay. Junior. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, Senior, sorry. Senior, and then Junior was just coming on board, Yeah. right? So he worked with Edward Bernays. Now, Edward Bernays and one other guy named, um, oh, I forget his name. But anyway, there was two guys, main guys, who in those days were, were uh, masters at propaganda. And what they did was they turned the word propaganda to public relations So they because they knew that propaganda had that name. And the reason they knew that is because a little while later, uh, 
about a decade later, a guy named Gerbils got really interested in Bernay and started using his techniques in, in Germany. And, you know, Gerbils was, Goebbels, whatever his name mm. was, was part of the, uh, the Nazi regime. Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, they got really good at that. And if we look at cancer, and that's because my interest was cancer. If we look at cancer, I think it was responsible for 0.07 deaths. 0.07%. At the turn of the century, yeah. and this is when the Rockefellers are kind of coming into hidden power, and this is all kind of connecting back right. to tilling soil. And, right. and So what they said was yeah. they made it a big deal. They started to propagandize cancer. So you get to now where it's 40%, yes. 30 to 40%. Um, so it, 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 they took it from 0.07 up to that. Um, and, and they had the studies and the data, like this can all still be, um, it's more of a historical understanding of cancer. Like when was cancer officially like discovered as a, a, a you know, you don't like to use the word a disease in that sense, but when did that kind of, when did this really come to the, the you know, the medical books and when they're saying this is cancer, you have cancer, is just the, the turn of the century, or was this being diagnosed for, let's say the past 500 years? Yeah, well, actually. Hippocrates saw it okay. way back 2,000 years ago. So it's been around. It's been around, but it was very, very um, uh, small percentage. Um, and it was usually with the, it, it was usually afflicted those who were wealthy, the wealthy, because they could afford to eat the, the, all these cooked, delicious Epicurean delights, right? But the, but the basic person that lived an agrarian lifestyle wasn't getting it. Th those guys weren't getting it. And when they tell you we're living longer, all you have to do is do, <clears throat> I have a habit, it's not a habit, it's kind of like a, and not even an obsession, but just something I need to do. Wherever I go, whatever country, whatever state I go to, I go to their graveyards. Problem here in, t in a lot of places in Asia is they don't have graveyards because they cremate people. Mm -hmm. But if you go to their graveyards and you, and you go into the country, I mean, go to the German countryside and... Um, and then go to the German cities and look at the graveyards and look at the, 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 how, long, how much time is in the dash. You know the dash? The dash, it's, uh, the dash is the most important part. Well, you got the time you were born and the time you died. The year okay. you were born and the dash is your life, right? Mm. So how long is that dash, right? So, you know, born 1670, died 1720, right? So anyway, if you look at how long people lived, you're still going to find people that were living 80 to 120 years everywhere you go, especially in the countryside. But when you look, when you understand statistics and anybody who's gone to school and was worried about a grade point average knows, you got straight A's, you get one C, you're screwed. You can't get it back. You'll never get a 4.0 again. Yes. Right? And you'll, it'd be really hard to get it up. So your average stays low. So that one low one. So when we look around um, the turn of the century, when I think it was one out of five births, uh, there was a mortality. Ah, I so see where you're going. You got that. So you got young mothers dying. You got fetuses dying. Or babies dying. You know, newborns dying. Or two-year-olds. Or one-year-old. So that was it. So if you made it to five in those days, because of the infections. Now, we didn't see those kinds of infections in the rural. We only saw it in the urban areas where there was, you know, it was really poor hygiene. So, um, but anyway... <clears throat> So the, the, the average has come down, but the length of time that people live is still about the same, um, which is very interesting. Um, the difference is, is that the guys that were living 80, 90, 100 years in those days were still robust. They were running around outside chopping down trees or doing whatever they were doing. Our 80 or 90-year-olds are wearing diapers. 
right? Mm -hmm. So we're keeping them alive with drugs and all these sort of things, but they don't have the same quality. But in terms of lifespan, you know, they're saying we've never had it so good, we've never lived so long, and all that stuff. I just want you to know it's not, it's, that's not a true statement. And to prove it, don't believe me, to prove it, start visiting graveyards. And just, just start looking, and you'll see that the average... Um, does, that, does that whole uh, topic tie into um, the Rockefellers coming in and with the propaganda from, let's say, Big Pharma and saying... And essentially, that, that is the narrative today. It's... We're living longer because of medicine. That's the narrative. Yep. That's the propaganda. Yep. Is yep. that fair to say? Yep. Today? Absolutely. So how how did that propaganda begin? Because I'm assuming that's where you're going with that, exactly. with the Rockefellers coming in. That well, that that is where it began. It began with them. And, uh, and if you want the pillow, some people put it behind their back. If not, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, and some water. Don't worry. I always jump in anytime. So. Um, yeah. Well, no, that was the idea to push uh, because you got to understand what what Rockefeller understood is that pharmaceutical products are mostly from um, our petroleum. The capsules are petroleum. A lot of the drugs are made with petroleum products. So this was a good way for him to use because he was an oil man. Yeah. So he had all this oil, and so he wanted to... So he, you know, he took over the, the, indus you know, the industry. Uh, for example, when they, found, uh, when they found a carburetor that was able to get... What is it? The efficiency was up to like 80 90%, and they were getting 70 miles a gallon, 100 miles a gallon. They bought that patent and put it away, and so now you got yeah. you get now you, you know you're getting 15 miles to the gallon, 20 miles to the gallon. Same thing with rubber. They found rubber that just won't wear out. They got bought up, bought up that patent, got rid of it, and we're still replacing our tires. So they were stripping all industries to make sure that they can still maximize their profits yeah, to keep things yeah. going. So anyway, there uh, on top of it all, there's always been this extreme radical view or. Um, of eugenics, and that is of breeding, of breeding human beings so that, so that you have a master race and then you have a, a lower race. And they've wanted to do that, and that got that came to an extreme during the Nazi, uh, Nazi yeah. uh, thing. Where, uh, Why, what what is the motivation? Why are they doing that? Or what was the reasoning behind that? Well, the reasoning is to is to uh, have a clear distinction between them. So they're the upper class. They're they're blood. They really consider themselves. Actually, I don't know if most people don't may not know this, but there are a certain number of families yeah. that have been around since Babylon and Egypt, and they and they came through. A lot of them have Italians, like Orsini. Yeah, you're saying about the Orsini. They have these families and these bloodlines, and they do consider themselves superior. And they want to, uh, and that's why they all intermarry. You know, a Morgan will marry a Rockefeller and you know all that. And if, uh, For example, if we look at Bill Gates, uh, on his maternal side, it goes up to um, Rockefellers. Really? Uh, on his maternal side, he's a Rockefeller. And th this is, again, people should understand, like, there are conspiracy theories out there, but certain information, this is traceable, trackable. You can go figure, you can go look into this yourself as well. Yeah, I wrote a... Uh, Maybe bring, you want to bring the mic a bit? I wrote a... Uh, yeah, there you go. I wrote, it was originally going to be just a paper, but it turned out to be like 60, 70 pages, so I might make it a, a small book. But it's called The True Second Opinion. Why do you need to get, why do you need to get a true second opinion? Um <clears throat> And you say, well, I got a I got a second opinion. I went to uh, all these five different great, well-known cancer centers, but they all said the same thing. Well, they're all well, being paid by the same. Well, well, they're all they all they all uh, work by the same algorithms. Mm. They, you know, they call it conventional medicine, and the word convention is agreement, right? By convention, we do this. By agreement, we do this. So, conventional medicine is not by science. It's not science-based. Mm. It's by convention. So, the American Society of 
of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the American Society of Neurology, the American Society of Internal Medicine, all of these all of this these is things, a standard of care. Standard of care. Yeah. Which they have, right? And so, uh, and in those, and, they, and for, for, for cancer, it's the American Society of Clinical Oncology, ASCO. And they have their algorithm. So if you have this thing, you have two choices. You can do this or this. But if you go this way and this happens, you do this. You know. So yeah. that's why when you go in and you've got a diagnosis, which is a name, they know where to stick that name into their algorithm and they'll tell you. So it doesn't matter which doctor you go to. He's just repeating algorithms. So you technically, you don't even need a doctor. That's it. There it is. They're going to eliminate the doctors. What they'll have is a, um, uh, a highly trained nurse practitioner who can do the physical exam mm. and, then just, and then do the blood tests, feed it into AI, and AI will spit out the protocols perfectly every time. And you, don't, you uh. no longer need the doctor. And see, doctors have acquiesced and given in and agreed to become the salesman for the pharmaceutical industries is what they are. They're, 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 they're basically at the same. Do you think thing. they're doing that by fear of going against the grain and, and spending 10 years in education just to be, to, you know, discover that if you don't follow. And know, vanity, ego, ego massage, they get, yeah, you, you know, you're in this exclusive club. After all, you're a doctor. I mean, you made it, you're a doctor and doctors, you know, so you're in an exclusive club and uh, you don't want to lose that because uh, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, uh, place to be in society. Well, he's a doctor or he's a lawyer, you know, so you, you're going to stay with it. So, for example, if I prescribe uh, something like I prescribe um, vitamin C, vitamin C, artesanate, artemisinin, okay, something like that, it's not the standard of care. Therefore, and the, the legal ramifications is if someone were to have a problem with that, I could be sued because I wasn't practicing in the standard of care. Mm. Now, I've never been sued, ever. Um, and that's because... All my patients understand that I'm doing the, I discuss everything in detail. I educate them and I'm doing the best. They know the risks as well of getting right. involved. And they know I'm doing, the, I'm doing the best. Yeah. I'm not, it's not, it's not like I'm trying to fool them. I don't sell them anything. Yeah. But, um, is there education or schooling? Let's call it, a, I don't want to say alternative medicine, but maybe alternative education instead of going down the, uh, you know, the same, uh, John, going through the John Hopkins route. Is there an, another alternative for a young upcoming doctor that does not want to go through this standard of care and, and typical, you know, uh, educational path? Is there anything available in the U.S.? Yeah, there are. There's the American um, Holistic Medical Association. There's A4M, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. There's several of those where you can take courses in. There's American something of functional medicine. Functional medicine is really a, 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 a term that's come about because... Um, which is more, um, which is what you would always expect that doctors would do, would be functional medicine. In other words, they're seeing what works, what the, what's, we're, let's look at your biochemistry and make a decision based on your biochemistry instead of making a decision based on an algorithm, right? So, so anyway, functional medicine. So there's, so a lot of doctors are getting trained in that now. Um, uh, and you can get certification in that and all that. The problem is that you would have to have known this actually before you went to medical school and have chosen to be a naturopath. If you had chosen to be a naturopath, you wouldn't have gone down that allopathic um, um, path. Because when you go down the allopathic path, and, and that's intensive training, it gets ingrained so deeply. Like I, my hardest, most difficult thing when I'm training doctors is to get them to th not think allopathically. 
and, and I can't, even though I, I can teach them all the protocols and stuff like that. But allopathy still go, and here's, this is the thing about the, uh, even the naturopaths. Allopathy, uh, the, the foundation of allopathy is the germ theory, which became the disease theory, mm -hmm. which became the basis of the medical model. So the medical model says you've got a disease, which is this entity that exists somewhere in the universe or many places in the universe, and you catch it, whether it's high blood pressure, diabetes, doesn't matter, heart disease, it's a disease, and you got to get rid of it. That paradigm is the medical model. So even the naturopath who's giving you, instead of 10 prescriptions, he's giving you 10 herbs, still is operating under the fact that you have a disease and I'm going to fix it with Boswellia. I'm going to fix it with mm. maitake. I'm going to fix it. So uh, the only school that evolved... So we need to change the language of how we're... Exactly, yeah. the language. So it's, it's called the School of Hygiene, Natural Hygiene. Um, in the 1840s, 1850s, we had a guy named Trawl, uh, and, then, and, the, uh, and then you had a lot, a lot of very well-known people. Do, do you take that into consideration that you need to fix the language because even the subconscious power of the mind is also curing yourself? Absolutely. That's exactly, that's exactly it. So um, I... I um, Me meaning, even if you are uh, a naturopath, don't be telling patients they have a disease. Exactly. Let's change that. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. And, and, and if we look at traditional healing, indigenous traditional healing... Um, disciplines such as traditional Chinese, Ayurvedic, uh, even, you know, if you go to Africa, Africa had many uh, indigenous healing um, disciplines that were amazing. Um, Europe, everywhere has got them. Um, Australia. So, uh, but these people, these, these disciplines are always, always focused on restoring balance. They see, so the Chinese will see uh, basically a yin-yang you know, and this is, this is hot and fire. And so, you know, they, they want to bring the elements back into balance. So will Ayurvedic. They want to bring the doshas back into balance. So those are the true healing disciplines. So there's a healing paradigm that means that health or optimal functioning comes about is the consequence of living a life that uh, supplies all your biological, psychological, and spiritual needs. Okay. That the result is health. If there's any imbalance in that, then you are out of balance, right? And you need to restore that balance. Uh, and, and when you're out of balance, the body will, do, will engage in an adaptive response to maintain functional integrity. It has to maintain the function. Okay, so that adaptive response is what the allopaths are calling a disease. So is that like, I, I don't know if we were discussing this, but I think it goes on, on this point. Is that why we have a fever? Yeah, the f the fever is essentially the body repairing itself. Right, right, right. The fever is uh, a fever is um, uh, <clears throat> is the way the body recruits the immune system, wakes it up. So is but there is a certain point where the fever. Well, like, what would you do for yourself if you have a thirty eight point five temperature and it's just you know it's lasting eight hours and you can't kick it after you know two days? Like, is there a certain point where it hits forty? Where what do you do when you've gone past like? a certain threshold like where, where it becomes critical well um it's un uh, really not um uncommon for it to become critical we, we 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 can see it with babies it can go so high they can have seizures that's a that's a different story okay. uh and with babies you wouldn't use a drug to lower it what you would do is you would get wet towels not cold because they're already hot but just room temperature wet 
and you'd put it in their groin, across their abdomen, under their uh, armpits, and on their neck. And if you do that, you'll cool them off from the core, and they'll you cool them down. But you don't want to destroy the fever because the fever is is the way that the T cells are activated, natural killer cells are activated, macrophages are activated, dendritic cells are activated, polymorphonuclear sites are activated. You want all those to be activated because otherwise they're on a surveillance mode. And when they're in surveillance mode, because if the, if we were walking around activated all the time, we'd all have what they call autoimmune conditions. We'd be like that, right? We'd have a cytokine storm all the time. You can't do that. So our, our immune system is normally in surveillance mode, and then something happens and we need to recruit the big guys, you get a fever. How, why does that work? Because the fever stimulates certain cells to produce certain um, chemicals, cytokines called you know interleukins and things like that, which just activate it. You need that to happen. If that doesn't happen, you can't heal. But there's no point of having a fever for like 12 straight hours and your, your temperature is 38. Don't, do you need, is as long wrong? as you have a, well, here's what we got to do. We have to regain a respect for nature. We have to, we've lost it. We've lost it. We also, we think that nature doesn't know what it's doing, that nature is somehow ignorant. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I've got a fever for 10 days, it's because I need a fever for 10 days. Let me give you an example of that. Dr. William Coley, um, 1905, 1907, Worked at uh, Memorial Hospital in New York City. Memorial Hospital later became Sloan Kettering Memorial Hospital, which is a big cancer center. Uh, he found, he came around, he was, a, he was a surgeon, and the way they treated sarcomas in those days, which is a kind of cancer, was they did amputations. Sar sarcomas are muscles, cancers of the muscle and the bone. And things. They would just cut it off. So he would go around, and he'd find that certain people uh, that he was scheduled to see left the hospital. They were discharged in good health. And he said, what's going on here? So he went and he found them. And New York City was still small, so he went and found them. He said, what happened? And he said, well, I got, I got erysipelas. Erysipelas was a, a rash, a red rash that gave him a fever. Uh, and it was later found to be associated with streptococcus pyogenes, which is a strep, kind of a strep. So anyway, he goes, wow. So he had a fever for 10 days and the cancer was gone. So he, out of the box thinking, got that. He fooled around for a few years. He would give people... Uh, strep, and then they if, they, if they didn't die from the strep, then, then they, the, 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 they would be okay. The cancer would go away. However, uh, he then realized, well, let me just heat these bacteria up, inactivate them so they can't colonize, but they'll still produce a fever. So he did that, and he wound up with two, 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 two bacteria, serratia marcescens and streptococcal pyogenes, inactivated them, gave them in a syringe over and over and over for 10 14, 21 days, 30 days, whatever it took, and they're uncomfortable, shaking, chills, uncomfortable, sweating, 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 cancer gone. And this is very interesting. Mm. It is the only therapy that has 40 and 50-year long-term follow-ups of no recurrence. Okay, This type of treatment. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now, when he died in the 40s, and it, it, by the way, it became known as Coley's Toxin, does this still exist? Could you administer this or just... It's illegal now. Okay. Yeah, the, um, uh, the Fraud and Death Association, you know, the FDA, they, um, uh, <laughs> they, uh, uh, they, they made it illegal in the, in the 40s after he died. Yeah. So what we were doing, even back 10 years ago in Arizona, was uh, we could still order it. There was a lab in Canada that would make it, but we'd have to have the patient go to Venezuela 
yeah. to get it administered for the first few times. Then they could come into the U.S. under the compassionate use law. Mm. And under compassionate use, if someone's been using a tr treatment that's working for them and they come in, you can continue it as long as it's not completely contraband. And this was. So we, were, we would get it around it by doing that way. In Japan, they found another bacteria called PC Banil, and they were using that, and Dr. Kobayashi did that very effectively um, until that got shut down. So that's why we started to use external hyperthermia. So you get into a machine, and it heats up your body, and we get your core up to 40 degrees. And mm. we hold it there for, for four hours. It takes two hours to get <clears throat> And then we do that once a week. Uh, but again, that's not as effective as an endogenous from within fever. That's an externally induced. Mm. It's not the same. But it's still extremely effective. And, we, you know, Dr. Kobayashi uh, in Japan is the only guy. Now, this, this guy is, uh, I mean, he, he was a Ph.D. first, then became an M.D., right? And, and then an oncologist. Uh, so every treatment he does first had to be proven in a lab and, and, and doing biomarkers and things like that. This guy wears a white coat down to his ankles. I mean, he's totally scientific. He keeps meticulous notes. And over 40 years of practice, he's the only person I've known who has a 70% long-term remission with cancer. Okay. And what he does is that hyperthermia once a week, and then the rest of the week is balancing the autonomic nervous system and diet. diet. And one of his big things with diet, just for everybody to keep in mind, is avoid, if you're going to avoid cigarettes for your health, then avoid cold beverages, and especially ice. If you got, if you're ice, if you got ice, drink whatever it is, uh, because sixty to seventy percent of our immune system is in our gut, as you know, mm. in the form of lymph nodes and Peyer's patches and spleen and all that sort of thing, right? Um, and the lymph nodes are the headquarters. That's where the immune system makes its decisions on what to do, right, and which cytokines to produce and which 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 cells to uh, is that why the Chinese they, they they stand by warm water, yeah yeah like the Chinese they they truly like oh, I lived in China and um, if you were sick literally their medicine was or not not even if you were sick they don't even drink cold water yeah there's not a single Chinese person that like if you brought them ice they'd be like no 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 you'll get sick don't drink exactly this. exactly exactly yeah. so. So, uh -oh. it, well, as a foreigner, we would just laugh at them. Right. Well, maybe it's making sense now. Right. So maybe what happens is this. Just, just extrapolate now. To enhance your immune system, you get a fever. Mm. So the opposite would be true. The, if the colder it is, the less active your immune system is. So if you're drinking cold beverages all uh, day, okay. you're inactivating your immune system. You're keeping it low. And, and, and just think of it this way. Um, there are 37 billion billion chemical reactions going on in the body every second. Mm. Now, each one of those is mediated by uh, an enzyme. Enzymes are proteins. And proteins have a primary structure, which is their amino acid sequence. They have a secondary structure, which is how they fold, depending on hydrogen bonding and stuff like that. Then they have a tertiary structure, which is their shape, their three-dimensional shape. And it's that shape that defines its function, just like the shape of my hand defines my function. Four fingers and one thumb, it's that shape. But if my thumb were here and I still had four fingers and one thumb, I wouldn't have this, the function. So shape is shape, function, 
form, function, anatomy, physiology, same, same sort of thing. So when you're talking about a, uh, a protein, and especially an enzyme, it's got to have a, a, it has a particular shape. So when we look at, let's say, growth hormone, which is what, 193 or something amino acids. But because of its shape, it's only this little part down here that's doing the work. Mm-hmm. But if it loses that shape, it can't perform that function. So what determines the shape of an enzyme? Because we already know the primary, secondary structure. The shape is determined by two things, the pH mm-hmm. and the temperature. Okay, so all different parts of our body have, the same, have different pHs. We may not know that because we all think we need to be alkaline everywhere. If you're alkaline everywhere, you're dead. Okay, your stomach has to be a pH of one point or one point five to and two. And that, that depending on your 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 food, the water, your diet. Essentially. Well, no, no, your colon has to be acidic. Yeah, six point eight, six point nine. You can't have a seven point four. You need to have a pH of seven point four in your blood and in your interstitial fluid around your cells, but not in different organs. Okay, so so what is the best way to balance that pH through the body in terms of diet? Well, well, we'll do that when we get back to the okay. gorillas. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but um, so anyway, the, 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 so the enzyme, which is a protein, has a particular shape. Now, all enzymes have an optimal pH and an optimal temperature. Okay. So um, now the optimal temperature for all the enzymes in our body is 37 degrees centigrade or, or 98.6 Fahrenheit, except for our immune cells. Their optimal temperature is... Uh, 39.5 to 40.5 or 103 to 104.5 Fahrenheit. That's the optimal temperature at which they function at their best. Okay, so by going up to that temperature, you're going to get optimum functioning. Okay, you don't want to be there all the time, but you just want to be there. So a cold-blooded animal, a lizard, a snake, if they get ill, they crawl, instinctively crawl onto a hot rock and bake in the sun to bring their body temperature up so that they can take care of this problem. So we don't have to do that. So warm-blooded animals can have an endogenous fever. So that's that's what we do. That's the importance of fever, um, you know, and enzymes and all that sort of thing. And then that goes to cooking too. I mean, if you're talking about enzymes, but... Um, yeah, so it's... it's um, Here, before I jump jump to that, so when I, I had, let's call it the low... Oh, wait, what's the best? The long current situation. Uh-huh. Um, I, I got it like uh, early January. And honestly, I just kicked it like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Officially, like I had three weeks of a cough. And then I did a test. And then I, I figured out the, the line was a bit faded. So it was kind of the end of that. Then I was good for two weeks. And then, boom, one day just came out of nowhere. Uh, fever of 38.5 for three or four days. Um, then again, good two weeks and then boom again, cough comes back, fever, then good again. And then a week later it would come back and then kind of, I would just feel, uh, the last, the last three, uh, let's call it the last month every day, like very fatigued. Meaning like if I went out to dinner, I would, halfway through the dinner, I'd have this like, you know, chatter in my head, like go home, lay down, go home, like just fatigue. Like I couldn't even get through a dinner. Um, and I went to the hospital, which I would never do. Um, cause I think it's just, you know, what am I paying for? I kind of understand what's going on. And they basically, even the doctors there said they didn't give me medicine. They were just like, nope, you have long current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just wait another month. And now it's been finally like the past two weeks, 
um, I felt better. Like I can actually go out and like, I wouldn't even be able to go for a walk on the beach like uh, a month ago. Uh, the point of my question is, so when I was having those high temperatures, my sister's a nurse and uh, they were unbearable, like 39 almost. And like to the point where like you almost start hallucinating mm. a little bit and in and out of sleep. But, you know, I'm not dying, uh, but it scares you enough. And I asked my sister and she said what they give to children and everyone at the hospital is like X amount of Tylenol and X amount of Advil because one is a paracetamol and one's a acetyl and you can pronounce that much better than me. And she said it was like 800 grams of one and 400 grams of the other. Now, it took the fever away, but I'm sure you can talk on this much better. I'm assuming what I'm actually doing is I'm suppressing it and it should be allowing mm -hmm. that um, natural fever to fight. Like you said, the immune system, it's heated up. Those uh, That part of the, 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 the system is heating up because it needs to be at that temperature to protect yourself. But I almost felt like I was going to die at some point. Now... Do I just ride that out, that fever, and just fight through the pain? Or should I be taking these? And obviously, you're going to say no. But could you explain why no? Yeah. It's a little maybe even further. Of, um, sorry, the question is more when the doctor sub, sub, uh, sub, uh, prescribes that you're taking Tylenol and Advil, I think it's 800 and 400, what is the issue with that uh, diagnose, or that dosage or that diagnosis? What is that actually doing to the body that's not good for us? Well, it's it's blocking uh, it, it it blocks uh, receptors, enzymes, um, and uh, you know basically there are these um, there are these pathways, um, oxygenases and prostaglandins and things like that that are part of the inflammatory process and they're activated. So these pills block that. And so they block that whole inflammatory process. Now, inflammation is the way the body heals. You bang your finger with a hammer, and it's going to get red, hot, swollen, and painful. Four mm -hmm. cardinal signs of uh, inflammation. It'll get that way. And the reason it's hot and all that, because there's increased blood flow, the blood vessels are leaky, so you can get more blood and more white blood cells and all that stuff. And, it, and the reason it's hot is because the, you know blood is, carries, carries heat, uh, and it's swollen because there's increased fluid. So all those symptoms come from, and it's red because there's more blood. So all of those systems, what do they call it in Latin? Calor, dolor. Um, tumor. Tumor just means big, yep. not tumor. Uh, and then what's the other one? Calor, tumor, whatever it is. Um, so anyway, those four signs. And then it heals. That's how it heals because it, that that is necessary. You don't get that, you won't heal. Where we have a problem with inflammation is when you keep banging your finger and you keep banging it. And now it becomes chronic inflammation, which is a whole different species. Now, the like I keep banging my finger, what's going to happen? I'm going to develop a callus. It's going to proliferate. The tissues are going to grow. And so now my body, instead of uh, trying to undo that, it kind of supports tissue proliferation. That's why chronic inflammation underlies heart problems, underlies cancer, underlies all those things. It's a whole different animal. But... Acute inflammation, which is what's happening when you've got some sort of organism that's causing a problem. <clears throat> it is a bacteria at this point, or it could have, that virus. is, a, it, so it's the virus that's causing this uh, uh, fever, essentially, then the body, but I, I, I think I, I was listening to you on that, and I think this all ties together, is you can't really fight a virus. You need your immune system to boost it. Well, no, no, viruses aren't alive. Right. It's so, attached to a host. Right. It's not alive. A yeah. virus is not alive. Yeah. Um, 
it's basically a, a, a genetic sequence, either RNA or DNA. It's in a protein coat, and then it's got it's got these uh, uh, like almost like, if you look at them in a mi electron microscope, it looks like landing module. It looks like a, a spaceship. It lands like that, and then it with an enzyme it drills a hole in that cell, inserts its DNA, and then that just falls over because it's not there. Because a virus doesn't eat, drink, breathe, uh, have waste, and it cannot procreate. It's just genetic information with some enzymes. So. But it does, when it inserts itself into your cell's DNA, whether it's RNA or DNA, it inserts itself into your DNA. Now your cell's machinery, reproductive machinery, produce it. So that's why that old joke, you know, what's the difference between true love and herpes? Mm. Herpes is forever, right? Um, <laughs> and, and the reason that, that that was a joke was because you can't get rid of a virus because a virus is now you. Mm. Is now become part of your so DNA. So what are you? You're you're just suppressing it by keeping a. Uh, well, you develop an immune response so mm. that every time a cell, your, one of your cells tries to produce it, it's immediately eliminated. Now that is the disease theory. Okay, the other theory says there's no such thing as viruses. They are exosomes. They are part of the way our body communicates. That's a whole discussion which um, we could. Do, do, you, do you believe in that theory as exosome, well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exosomes. I think they are exosomes. Meaning it's already living in us anyways and then it's activated? No, no, an exosome is when, uh, if, 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 let's say a group of cells uh, are damaged by some sort of poison you took. Um, what they do is they develop a, a response, okay? While they develop that response, if that response is working to help them, they package that information in a little lipid envelope and they push it out to the, into the uh, environment so that the other cells, that's the way it communicates to other cells. They're called exosomes. Mm -hmm. And an exosome is about 100 nanometers and it contains RNA. A virus is about 100 nanometers and contains RNA or DNA. Okay. So you can't, they are indistinguishable. We know about exosomes in cancer. We know about exosomes in... And all that we exosomes it's not a it's not a theory they exist and no one anywhere the head of the biology department the head of the virology department at the greatest schools academic centers in the world cannot tell you that there is a difference between an exosome and a virus so therefore are is there a difference i mean so um <clears throat> anyway so um so I the point I... is what we may be looking at are our bodies uh so, 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 so there's a theory out there. Uh, there's a group of people who think that uh, we're being um, exposed to 5G and other kinds of mm. other kinds of toxins. That's, that's enhancing that. No, that's stimulating exosome production. So, yes, yeah, stim yeah, stimulating is the word. Yeah. So the exosomes are being produced to protect to 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 to, to you know it's a communication form. So they're going to protect the other cells. And so, aha, you've got this virus. It's not a virus. And so, and then, you know, and, and if we go back, there's, it's not, you can't push that theory aside. You can't, okay. you can't prove it wrong. You can't prove it wrong. And if you look at every epidemic we've had, that's called a big viral epidemic. It's always been associated with a change in our electromagnetic. Change in technology. I think we talked about that as well before. Maybe, I, I know, I might have mentioned 1918 with the flu. With the telephone. Spanish flu. Yeah, that's and they, the radar. They, and they, a lot of this uh, technology being introduced in 1918. Right. Yes, the telephone was invented late at the turn of the century, but mass adoption was yeah. until 1915. Spanish flu, you do the math. Yeah, the whole thing, right. And, right. Then how, and then in those days, we didn't have airplanes, so how the heck could somebody get it 
in Africa and in Ah, and but over, now the whole world had it at the at the Spanish yeah, flu because they always the tried to pandemic. But that pandemic, I feel the propaganda behind that, they're really making it American centric, saying it's pretty much it only happened to the US. But you it happened Yeah, I know oh, I, I I thought it was just worldwide. USA. And they even took samples. Yeah. They, they they tried to do it's called Cox postulates. Cox postulates, which is which he came he was right around the time of Louis Pasteur. What's and, that? Oh, one hour? Okay. Oh, that's, we're good. That's the one okay. hour, yeah. So Louis Pasteur, right around the same the Cox said, okay, if if we're gonna if we're if we're going to definitely say that this microorganism caused causes your disease, then what we've got to be able to do is isolate that microorganism from someone who is sick. Uh, put it into a dish, grow it out so that we have other ones. Here, let's bring the mic down a bit, just so when we clip this later, you don't have a mic covering your whole yeah, face. So, Elicate, yeah. To uh, uh, grow out the microorganism and then um, uh, give that to a healthy person, and they should get the same sickness, and then we should be able to take that out and do another person. So that's that meets Cox postulates. Okay. Um, now, nothing has ever met it. Nothing has mm. ever met it. You can't do that with anything. You can't do that with staff, with strep, or any of that. Nothing. That, you guys, that's pretty powerful. You got to think about that a while and maybe mm. come back to it. But um, <clears throat> so anyway, during the Spanish flu, they actually took snot out of one person and put it into a healthy person. They did this to thousands, literally, I, don't, I forget how many people, um, 20,000, 30,000 people. They took their blood. They took their urine. They took saliva. They took the cough, the phlegm. They took all these things. They could not reproduce it. They could not meet Cox postulates. And those Cox postulates, now, now the scientific literature is saying, well, Cox postulates don't, can't, can't possibly work with viruses, right? And so, but they don't really work with, like I could take strep mm -hmm. and give it to you. Okay, somebody walks in right now and there's five of us and they sneeze all over us. Two of us get sick and three don't. Why? Because you're saying it's stimulating, it's already within well, us. Right. Why would two get sick and three wouldn't? You know, it's, it's because of our immunity, mm. right? It's because of our immunity. And this person was already sick. This person was already sick. The Because the, um, um, there are you know, micro, or in other words, if I have a, like right now, if I were to swab your throat and my throat, we probably a good chance of having strep staph. They're, they're natural. They live, in, they live in us. They live in us. But they're under control because we have a good flora. When they get out of control is when our immunity breaks down, right? And a big part of our immunity is our gut. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so there's a controversy whether or not viruses actually exist. Uh, and, uh, and so the question is, what are we all reacting to? So no, there's so much unknown, and I don't really have the answers. I don't, nobody does. Some people think they do. And that's also probably the research is suppressed. Right, right, right. They don't want you to find out, and maybe they don't know, but, you know. Don't open that Pandora's box. Either. Well, they, they're doing something. They're doing something or actually doing many things. Mm. Um, I forget the guy's name, but you can find him on BitChute. Um, there's Thomas Cowan. You know him, Dr. Cowan? Uh, I've, I think I've, I've seen a, a And there's post. another guy named Kaufman, Dr. Kaufman. Mm. Go on BitChute, BitChute and just put in Dr. Kaufman and, put in, and look at some of his videos and look at Dr. Cowan, C-O-W-A-N, and look at his videos. And they go into detail about this. I mean, it's scientific. I mean, Kaufman is a 
is a, is a scholar. Mm-hmm. He's a scholar. He's a uh, he's a forensic psychiatrist, uh, PhD, pretty smart, MD. Anyway, these guys are smart. So that, that if you want to get that argument to, to fully understand uh, the exosome. even the, the exosome and the research behind that. Yeah. Um. One one, we didn't touch upon this last time, and I think there's a way we can kind of go around it in in a bit of a circle. I, I've listened to you hear both sides of the story with the current situation, and let's call it the injection. Um, but I, I more like from like a pure, uh, objective level speaking about that and what is it actually doing specifically? A lot of people that are pro will come across and say, well, it's, uh, it's not even a virus. It's actually genetically modifying, blah, blah, blah. I'd rather, if, if are you able to speak on that from a pure, like, uh, uh, objective standpoint? Yeah. Well, the, the. What the companies Pfizer and Moderna and and we're okay to talk about yeah, that at this. I we think so because what yeah. they no, but this is what they state. Okay, okay. What they state is that RNA technology is designed to to go into the host to uh, to have the RNA uh, stimulate their. Now the virus we got. It's again, it, it, whether it's exosome or it's a virus. This has uh, infiltrated us, and it's. Uh, this is RNA that's come in and modified our, our, our genome. Um, just so that, that part's clear. I'm trying to yeah. understand it. And then, okay, let's continue back to you where you're saying, what, what is the, 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 the injection doing? So the injection is, they, 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 again, they have RNA, or I think, uh, what is it? Astra is the only DNA one. The rest are RNA. Um, <clears throat> um, but anyway, the, what they do is they, they, they tell, it tells your cell to produce the spike protein. Okay, because the spike protein was has been discovered as being the, um, the infectious particle, the particle that can uh, grab onto a cell, and then so to produce the spike protein. So the mm. spike protein, um, so that's what this. So now your cells are producing spike protein. The idea, this is what Moderna and Pfizer say. The idea is now your body will develop a response, an immune response to that spike protein. So when you encounter the real virus, and uh, okay, got it. it comes in with its spike protein, you'll already have the antibodies to eliminate it. So that's the theory, and that's how they got approved, and that's what they're... So it's trying to let... They're saying, you, we're going to give you the injection, you're going to get the spike protein, the the right. issue. I'm sorry how I'm wording this, I'm trying to go in circles as well. Right. Um, and we're going to inject you. So if you do encounter it, the it will be less of a blow. That's their story. Well, you, yeah, you already have. Well, that's the idea of all vaccinations. Okay. All vaccinations are that they're going to introduce into you a, a non-lethal, non-dangerous um, component. Okay. Um, so when they, like, for example, if we go back to measles and polio and all those other ones, that's what they did. They, uh, they're called attenuated viruses. Sometimes they're live viruses, which means they haven't attenuated them. Um, like the live polio and stuff like that, but um, uh, so they the idea is that they give you this, you develop immune response. Then if you run into it, you're going to get um, you're going to already have the immunity. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So the problem has been that um, the immunity has not been that uh, has there's almost no difference between those who get the injection and who don't get the injection in terms of their uh, building up the immune system or getting the Infection. They can, they're still susceptible to getting the virus. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, it doesn't 
It's not giving the immunity. And then we won't go into the other side of things. Okay, so it's pretty much useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the one, yeah, well, I know. The well, that's if you just think about it. Yeah. Um, whether you've had it or not, you still have to wear masks. Yeah. You still have to social distance. You still have to wash your hands. Yeah, and and we're all aware of that as the beginning of this conversation. I mean, uh, keeping people indoors, uh, using more disinfectant. You're actually just jeopardizing the immune system because, like the rich in the beginning of this this story, let's say, uh, you're you're just becoming too sterile. It's not natural. Are we allowed? Are we able to talk on? And and you can say no. This is just. I again, we don't want to YouTube Thailand. We love you. Uh, we just want to, we don't want to cross any lines either. And that's why we can't go in too deep on the wrong subjects. Um, these injections that we are getting uh, and now it's being released. Okay. Let me rephrase that. I know of someone that went to the U S that lives in Thailand and he will, he will be on the podcast and he will talk about that, but I won't use his name now. Um, He's very healthy, if not maybe the healthiest person probably on the island, let's say. Um, he went to U.S., he got the injection, and then he had problems with his lymph nodes, and that turned to cancer. I'm going to assume, and, and you can, if you can talk about this more on the scientific level, these super healthy people that are getting the injection and getting sick, is it that their receptors or their body is just so healthy and open that it, it is more susceptible to, to these um, side effects with, with the injection. And basically what happened to him was his lymph nodes all swelled up, especially here. And he did not know for months and just tried to treat it naturally or from some medicine from the doctor. And then finally there was a certain point where he's like, Hey, this is not normal. And then he got diagnosed, let's say with cancer and he did chemo. And I believe he did it on the Island here and he's finally got through it and he's getting better now. But again, this guy is, he would be the, the poster child for the most health, healthiest person. From far as I know, not a heavy drinker, not a smoker, not, not doing drugs, eating super clean, exercising every day. And this happened to him. Are, we, are you able to speak on to why that could have happened? Should not. Okay. Oh, well, that, that he will come on the podcast and he'll tell us his story. Um, but obviously, I had to ask that because yeah. we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. And I think you guys know why. Yeah, yeah. Um, on a, are we able to speak on, and that's fine. Cause we can ask this and then you're going to be the one that goes, no, 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 let's not do that. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. And we never said anything, so you yeah. can't do anything next. Um, you're talking about AstraZeneca, Astra and how Thailand, this was their, essentially, this was, um, uh, their, uh, injection that they administered throughout Thailand. Is that, that correct? Well, no, the first one they, the first was, one. was, was, uh, Sinovac. Sinovac. And then, but you're Which saying, is just the spike protein. Are we allowed to discuss, I, I have a conspiracy theory on that. Why? Well, and again, just stop me right away if you're like, whoa, don't go down that road. Um, why did, why was Thailand one of the last countries to introduce the injection to the country on a mass scale? I truly believe that Thailand is always going to be Thailand. and They actually know better than I would say most of the world. And I believe they were actually looking out for their people is why they did not um go down that route from the beginning they really waited it out a bit is that something we can talk about yeah i, I mean i i think so but we i think we're getting into an area where we, we should it's a tread bit lightly but, tread but lightly. yeah i i think you know uh, it's hard to say why why they did it but um 
Yeah, they gave the Sinovac, which is really not, uh, it, it's not an RNA. It's not a gene altering. And it's not as harsh. And that's why it's not recognized around the most right, places not, when you yeah, yeah. travel. Because it only introduces the spike protein. Now, okay, that then ties into China, meaning the whole reason I, well, there's reasons why I haven't done it, but I have business in China and I'm from Canada, but I, to get into China, I need the Sinovac to get in Canada. I need who knows, whatever, Pfizer. So I just said, well, I'm not doing any of them. I'm not getting a cocktail. But the Chinese are also st sitting behind the Sinovac. Could that also be the fact that it's not as potent and they know that as well? I, I think so. I mean, but, you know, now I've heard they have a new one. I don't know. They have a new one. But, yeah, Casino, I think, Sino, Sino, China. China, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's so many unknowns. We can only speculate about why, why they did that. And uh, I'm just glad, I'm glad that Thailand has taken the route it has i think it's been the probably the best um the best way they could have maneuvered considering the current situation and worldwide yeah. and you know there's pressures put on governments and all sorts of stuff so i think they've done really uh, a good a good job um do you think a part of these countries as well like let's say thailand they need to tread lightly um because sanctions could be imposed well yeah yeah okay let's not go down more there. than uh, are we allowed to talk and maybe this is the conspiracy. I think we should, we did well there. We didn't we didn't cross any lines. Right, right. Um, I don't. Did we? Are you gonna go back to the gorilla at some point? Yeah, we're yeah, coming yeah. back. That's how we close the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's keeping people holding on. Stay, keep you know, increase that time watched on this podcast. Get me up in the algorithm. Wait for the gorilla story. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, are we able to discuss uh, the conspiracy theory side and tying it together with Rockefeller, Bill Gates, and, and just general big pharma and their intentions? Well, yeah, I mean, because I don't think it's even conspiracy anymore. It's, uh, I don't, it's not a theory anymore. These are, there's conspiracy facts. Meaning like Bill Gates, and, and this is, his, his father was involved in gene therapy, and let's be honest, did Bill Gates really create Microsoft in right. his, 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 uh, his garage? Like, get out of here. This is the most crock shit story I've ever heard in my life. But, um, how, and I, I think people have heard the very high levels part of that story, meaning like, oh, Bill Gates is pro-vax because of this and from his father. But, and are you able to get more detailed of that story and connecting it to the Rockefellers them and, and, and connecting that to big pharma? Well, you know, part, it was part planned, planned parenthood. It was all part of the eugenics movement that we talked about of, of breeding out a super race and having a, you know, so we could have some, if we could have some really basic distinctions between the races you know almost almost if we could come up with two species they would be the happiest right uh the workers and then the elite kind of like the um hunger games kind of thing mm. but, but, but even even more um but anyway when we go back to edward, edward bernays and all them we we see what happened was that they sold cancer they they consolidated medicine um there was a um there was a uh, they, they hired this guy named Abraham Flexner. He wrote the Flexner Report. It was published in 1910, and that changed medical education forever. It, the allopaths took over, um, and all the, other, all the other schools, disciplines, were considered second and third tier, right? And so the, the allopaths took over, and they became the only scientific, et cetera, et cetera, and they got, that, they got that, their place from the Flexner Report. Um, and there's other things. I go into a little more detail in this book, I was, in this thing I wrote called The True Second Opinion. Um, and I'll make it available on my website soon. Um, but at True Second Opinion, I go through the history of all of this um, and then what is, you know, and all that. And so, 
<clears throat> but um, their their goal, their goal was, and it, this it, it's true. They got together in 1910, uh, 11, mm. uh, on uh, on Jekyll Island, right? And they put together something, um, you know, uh, called the Federal Reserve Act, right? Um, and they uh, uh, when they got that passed, they brought Woodrow Wilson in. Who was the president at that time? Yeah, who, they brought him. He was running for a second term, um, and the way they kept the way they were able to get him is they said he kept Americans out of war, out of the war. So they used that because there had been another war going on in Europe because mm. World War I had started. And um, so they brought Teddy Roosevelt out of retirement, ran him as a third party. They split the votes. Wilson won. Wilson signed it. When Wilson retired, he said, I, I, you got to look up the quote, look it up. Yeah. He said, I, be, I, I, I feel like I betrayed. It was the worst thing I've ever done. I betrayed my country. I betrayed. And, and he, then, then it was Rose, and I think it was uh, FDR and some other people said, there is a group who we, ne- we dare not talk about above, uh, talk about above a hush. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're, and they're so powerful. That's on video, too. I've seen that. Yeah. So these, these, groups, these groups are exist. They, they, they've been around for a long time. But the idea was to control medical education because if you control medical education, you control the next generation of doctors. If you control the me- if you control the medical profession, you can now have because medical, as we've learned in the last couple of years, trumps all other. It trumps, right? If it's a medical reason, you can be forced. In other words, all your rights can be taken. In other words, medical trumps everything for the public good for public. For example, the injection and how um, I'm, I forget the bill that they passed because it is not F, no one it is not FDA approved, right? But there is a, a emergency what is, act. emergency act, right? And then is that kind of emergency what, use? Yeah. Yes, yes. They can't quite get the approval, and I'm not sure why because they own, they own the FDA, so I'm not sure why they can't. But they're just playing the game. Yeah. Well, no, because then if you get it FDA approved that young, you've kind of opened up a precedent for other people to do it. Yeah. Right. Maybe other competitors of big pharma and big or whatever. I don't know if that that's a thing, but um, you don't want to FDA approve. I, I would guess an injection that early, anyways. It's just you're opening up too many doors, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, but anyway, so 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 the there's no doubt that this has been going on. If you go back to 1920, when does Bill Gates' father come into the picture on this like? Uh, genetic modification side how is he connected to the whole story well his father was um just part of um what was that group was it planned parenthood i think so yeah right right so planned parenthood was part of part of the keep you know the depopulation program and all yeah. that sort of thing but um i think but even more than that he's even on his mother's side the fact that she goes back to the rockefellers i think her her great grandfather and Nelson Rockefeller great grandfather were the same, so that that's how they tie in. So it is mature. There's there's all these bloodlines and family lines. In fact, I forget how many presidents. Have you ever looked that up? Yeah. How many presidents our, are are cousins? Yeah. Distant cousins, like forty three out of forty six or something. Yeah. Trump's probably an odd one there. Yeah, which is, I mean, it is true because they 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 are uh, tracking that. 
down, like they're able to track down that family tree. It's not, you know, just pulling names out of a hat. Mm. What do you, what do you see, uh, without, you know, scaring all of our listeners? Well, what's going to happen in the next, uh, few years? Well, what I see happening right now, and it should be clear to everybody, um, is that, um, you know, the Ukraine has been, first of all, the Ukraine is, uh, is part of Russia. It's always been part of Russia. It's not a sovereign state. It doesn't exist as a sovereign state. So it's really hard for Russia to invade Russia. Mm. So is this the change? Is this conversation, uh, the CNN change of narrative diluting, right, well, diluting the, the, the current situation talk? And then do you see it? Do you well, see phase two, we're in phase two now. So phase two is going to be the war. So there's going to be a war in Ukraine. Do you think so? Or do you think they just kind of bend over? No, no, no. Because if you, the biolabs that are in Ukraine, mm. the biolabs are all American funded. Mm. And that's well documented. That's well documented. I mean, it's on, you know, it's on Fox News. Um, it's well documented. But um, so there's... They're, they're setting the stage to say both sides will blame the other side for releasing a bioweapon. I see your, 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 your point there. And that, that conversation has started, like, for example, the, the bombing of, um, uh, they're saying Russia bombed a school and then, and the Ukraine will say to the, to, to the news, yeah, Russia bombed the school. And then Russia says, no, you staged that. Yeah. Yeah. So or you did, or, or or the Americans did it, or the so anyway. Would it be biochemical before like a virus that they could release? Like well, the, you released mustard gas. No, we didn't. That was you. And now now it becomes like a he said, she said mm -hmm. type of. And there's, so there's all these really high level bio labs. So they have they have biological weapons, and they're going to say so. Both sides can blame the other now, but you have to realize something. At the top, they're not different sides. No, They're all following the same scenario. So we're going to have, there's going to be a, a European theater for this war. And then uh, right about the time, when the timing is right, uh, China will take care of uh, will Taiwan. Bomb Taiwan. I, I think so too. So we're going to have two, but and that'll involve Australia. And because Australia, right now I have a friend who's a, an Australian friend and her husband's in the um, military and they're on high alert. They're ready for this to happen. But US has to protect Taiwan. Has to protect Taiwan. Because and, that's that's their buffer to Hawaii. And NATO. And NATO. And NATO. So this is gonna if they if things don't World change, War World War Three. Now, would that just be for monetary gain? Because war, you know, can can mask inflation so, and, and boost the economy? Well, not only that, they've also calculated what a what a limited nuclear war would do. And a limited nu nuclear war. Limited. Limited mm. nuclear war will uh, reduce the population by some percentage they have it. Down. Of course, they all, those that are engineering this, all have uh, un underground bunkers and they're fine. But so there will probably be a limit from what I from what I can read. I mean, you know, I'm not a I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not a what do they call it here? Ma Du. In, in Thailand, they call it Ma Du. Ma, you know, Ma is doctor. Mm. And du is C. So that's a person. Oh, like see the future. Nostradamus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Ma Du. But um, um. I, from what I can see is there's going to be World War III and uh, the whole idea is to eliminate some of the population, a good percentage, allow governments to um, 
uh, institute martial law. Um, control. Doesn't this feel like a giant 150-year plan? Yeah, yeah, and it's culminating. Because, I, I mean, I find it quite, I mean, it's quite a coincidence that war and disease completely aligns with exactly 100 years ago, almost to the date. Mm. How is that even possible? Like, could you have least, like, it's almost like, and they're laughing. They're like, not only are we going to repeat it again, we're going to do it on the exact same days just to almost laugh at you guys. I mean, if you did it on the, like, 2023, just give me a random year. Exactly 2020, like, come on. Right. Like, what are the, what are the chances of that? And that's aligning with the stock market cash crash as we're going into a recession and another war. Like it all, it's, well, it's well, too in sync. Well, that, well, that's the thing. See, this will also, um, as you know, the, the, the also going on in the side. And can, wait, and can we talk about, I think we're okay to. Yeah, I think so. They're that. knocking down the, 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 the wars will also knock down all supply. We'll finish the knockdown of the supply chains. So we're going to have worldwide famine. We're going to have wars. We're going to have bioweapons introduced. We're going to have a, we're going to have a limited nuclear war. Won't we have issues as manipulation of climate as well? Like, we're well, that's the goal. Like, look what we're seeing now here in, in Thailand. Let's say, I, I mean, it's March and it feels like it's, uh, you know, where it's Thailand and we're in March and uh, it, it feels like it's May, June mm. with the rain, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And it's usually um, a lot warmer, right? At this time. Yeah. March, April, it's yeah. usually really hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, um, the, the other big deal that's going to happen during all of this is that the, uh, and as you know, China and Russia are getting away from the petrodollar, right? And they're getting away from the dollar. So the dollar is going to crash, which means that any monies that people have in the stock market, which is based, valued by the dollar, will become worthless. Mm. So the only thing that will have any value is crypto. And what they're, and what they're doing now, and you know, you can, if you study crypto at all, you'll see that Every government, every federal reserve, every making their own crypto. Central bank is making their own, and so what I can see, foresee happening is that when after when this war begins, and the bioweapons are released and all that sort of thing, and, and there's more martial law and all that, we're gonna um, at the end of it, what's gonna happen? We're gonna come out with just federal cryptos. Now, people will still have Bitcoin and Ethereum; they'll have that. They just won't be able to buy cars and houses. They won't be able to live with it. They'll have to do it just with each other or black market because you can't control it, right? It's blockchain. You can't, yeah. you can't control crypto. But I don't think you'll be able to use it for a legal commerce. It'll become illegal um, and stuff like that. And I just... I just, Yeah, that's why they're pushing... I, I want to look into this more. I read an article on that. There's a cryptocurrency out there. I don't have any, but it's obviously quite large. It's called XRP or Ripple, I believe. And apparently with Ripple, it doesn't need the internet to survive. It can, so it can survive off satellite uh, hmm. signals. So if Elon Musk was to use that and his advantage and invest in Ripple, we could trade that and the internet, the entire internet could not, doesn't need to exist. Because what they are going after, I think next, um, it's not just going, and, and that's, that's what's very scary. We're on YouTube, but we are so censored right now. We cannot, and, and because my account's not that large, let's say I don't have a million followers, right? They could, if, if they don't like this conversation, they could close the account down tomorrow and we're not enough, I'm not able to make enough noise. What I think they're probably going to go after next is going to be, and everyone will say, well, I don't need YouTube. I'll do my own streaming on my own website. Well, bit you, bit you.
but I think they'll start to go after URLs. That will be next. And then all you have to do is be like, and that's where I, I believe they have so much power because I did live in China. And if China doesn't want you to have access to a website and you live there, you need a VPN, right? So unless now a VPNs will work for websites, but I'm, I have a feeling that certain websites like, um, people will, will, will have their, their YouTube videos banned and then they just stream it from their URL. Well, the U.S. government doesn't like your URL. That URL doesn't will not work in the country. And then we're going to be forced to be using, what, VPNs and using an IP from where? North Korea or something to access something. Who knows? Right, right, right. So um, I, I think it's just until more... All governments, until all governments uh, start uh, <clears throat> prohibiting certain... Then, then VPNs won't work, right? Because well, right I, now you could use a South African one or whatever. Well, that's the cra the craziest part about China is... You have a VPN. I need to download the application to get the VPN on my computer, but I can't get that application without a VPN. So unless you already have one, you need to come to my house with your computer to send me that and like backdoor it. Uh, this is where it gets crazy. Right, but it's gonna now it's gonna go for, march further. Right. What What do you think? There. So I, I like Jordan Peterson was saying something along the lines is if you want uh, complete control. Again, at the end of the day, high level, thirty thousand foot. This is purely about control. If you want to look at it, whether they're killing us with food, you know, whatever war it's control, uh, currency it's control. Now he, Jordan Peterson was saying, if you want to control a population, just every year, just push them an inch and another inch. And it's kind of like, I guess the analogy of uh, putting a, a frog in boiling water and you don't really know you're in it until it's too late. But do you feel that the, the, Current situation, World War Three, World War Three, biological weapons—it's no longer that inch. Is this going to be a, just a massive push? Yeah, yeah. It's we've we've we we we've accelerated. And we've hit we've hit a we've hit that point. So my oh, sorry, my question is: Why don't they continue pushing an inch? Why why all of a sudden are they going to do this massive push? Or is that part of the plan? Meaning, like you push an inch, you push an inch until the point but now you need to go to level two right then you do that let's well that's why it's called the great reset mm. that's why they're doing it and they gave it a timeline in 2030 they have a goal of having 500 million people left on earth and they should be genetically modified cyborgs mm. that's the goal that's the goal and, and that, that's and that's they, why they will get there. and that's why they've and this is this is not conspiracy in this part this is why we have 5g 5g from my understanding uh, the towers, they need to be very, it's not like 4G where they can be 20K, 20K. You need to be very close to each other. And eventually, and obviously high internet speed, that will be for car and transportation automation. Right, right. And right. it'll be, it'll be yeah, well, your facial, re facial recognition, you'll come out, you just, you'll walk out of your hotel, you'll just say taxi, a taxi will show up, driverless. Yes. You'll get in. Yeah. It'll get you from your retina scan or it'll, yeah, you're, it's gone. So it's the Internet of Things or whatever it is, uh, it's just that everything is on the grid. And as you know, the uh, I think last year, um, the uh, federal, what's it called? Communications in the U.S. gave uh, permission to Elon Musk to, to launch another 20,000 satellites, which I think he's done by now. What team is he on? Is he on Team Elon? Is he, is he Iron Man or is he part of the plan? He's confusing. He's confusing. It's very confusing, right? Yeah. But I feel like But he, I think everybody's on their team. I think so because I don't think they let him get to that point if he's not on the team. Exactly. Right? Same just with like Trump. Just like Trump. You don't get to that like 
because they control the media. Or you're still, if you're still alive, you're on their team. That's what I mean. That's what I think. Because they have no problem shooting people. No, you can change that. You control the media. You can change. So I really think he he's on that team, and and maybe he didn't mean to be on that team. I think a lot of these people they might initially didn't maybe didn't have that intention. But, but they to, can show up at your home and be like, "You're on our team," or your whole family's dead. Right. Exactly. Right. Um. Last, well, I think, and I think Trump knew that too, and I, and yeah. I think Trump performed his role. His role was to him divide and conquer. Him and Pelosi were successfully. They were just heads and tails, same coin. Complete. We have two Americas now. Mm. Yeah, and, and and that's always if so two it, Americas, Europe and Asia fighting. America will not become a third class country within two years. That's what I see happening. America will fall apart, just um, like the fall of Rome. Yeah, essentially, it's gone. What? Um. Well, well, well. We must be at an hour and a half, right? Okay. Well, I want two two points. We're gonna. Hey, the gorillas are coming. That's how we'll end this. Um. Before that, I've always had a concern about. Um, maybe something that's out of uh, our world's control. Um, we heavily rely on technology now on the internet. And if let's say the power grid was to go out, like it'd be complete anarchy unless you lived in the bush. What would happen? Do we have any control over solar flares? And do you believe in this? And you understand what they are and what they could potentially do to the power grid? And what if that was to happen? What would be the, the outcome? Well, if the solar flare would be, would be pure chaos. And there's no way. They, they don't have control over that. That's a, no, okay. No. What they have control over is uh, local stuff with our with our atmosphere, our ionosphere, with HARP. And they, they can inject in. Well, well, they, you know HARP, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of aware of HARP from, let's call chemtrail planes. but And that was a, what's funny is these conspiracy theories they were, you know, a conspiracy theory. Now it's coming to light. And the best example, anyone any time I've had that argument with someone and they say, well, how can they control the weather? Harp. But I give them the answer. They make it rain in Dubai. Mm -hmm. If you think they can do that publicly, imagine what they can do not publicly. Mm -hmm. Earthquakes. So, correct. So... Um, so back to the, I guess the question was the solar flares. They have no control over that. No. And, and have you done any research into that? Like, what are the odds of that happening? Because I feel like with our technology, that would kind of be pretty much the worst case scenario. Well, yeah, I, you know, the, a solar flare, could, it's just, it's just, it's just, I think our collective karma, our collective destiny, if it comes, it might be a good thing. It'll wipe out, uh, it'll get even them. It's even them. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, it will wipe it out and, and put us back to uh, starting over again. It, but it, not that far back. Put us back to probably, what, 120 years, 150 years. Beautiful. I'd love it. Right. Be, we bring us back to like uh, pre-industrial revolution. Fantastic. Okay. Our last thing. What what were we even discussing with the, the gorillas? What food. was it? Well, okay. Let's, we, let's we, finish we, that. We were, we were talking about I, food. I told you today we're going off on tangents. It's not planned. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. It's, I think sometimes it's better to structure it this way. If it's too interviewee style, it can be a bit. Better. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's finish this off with the gorillas and food and we'll wrap it up from there. All right. So gorillas, anyway, as I was saying, they were, um, they, um, they sit around and they eat and they're, they're, what they call hindgut fermenters. So any, and the reason they are is because <clears throat> the foregut fermenters are the cows, right? They have four stomachs, and those stomachs are just sitting there fermenting, right? And they're producing. Why? What is fermentation? Fermentation is a very inefficient way of producing energy, but it does produce energy, okay? Um, so um, um, so the cows are doing that, and they're burping all the time, and uh, they're, um, 
<clears throat> they, there are four gut fermenters. The hind gut fermenters um, are like gorillas, and uh, there are certain cattle and things like that. That have a single stomach at this. Yeah, single stomach, but they've got a large colon, a large cecum, and that's and the hind gut. So they're fermenting in for there. Ve- uh, because they are vegetarian. The gorilla is right. a vegetarian, right. essentially. Yes, well, well, they are. Well, they they eat, eat occasionally, not like chimps. Chimps will eat. Okay, so. sorry. Okay, but um, the gorilla, yeah, very rare. Very rare. I mean, yeah. Oh, but it's not like they go on. The chimps go on hunts. Yeah, but the gorilla um, uh, gets fifty percent of his energy from fermentation. So it's a very important part of its thing. So now it's the length of the fr- of the, of, the, of the small intestines to the short to the to the large intestines. It's that length and that ratio that determines the animals what they're eating mostly. Now, as I said, in whatever you get in your small intestine is uh, you're going to absorb quickly and get energy quickly, and the and the and the large intestine means you're going to have to ferment it. So anyway, where do we fit? It turns out that we actually have a longer small intestines than a, than a, a large intestine. Right, which um, even the chimps don't have that. Who are eating fruit and swinging in the trees and things like that? Who do get a lot of energy? Um, so we're close in that in that regard. We are closer to the herbivores. Mm. Okay, not the carnivores, but the herbivores, and then we still have the lar- the the hind gut. So we're a mix, but we're not anywhere near the carnivore or, or even the omnivore. Um, so as it turns out, um, our natural diet is, is plants. Um, to eat other than that, you have to teach people from, a long, from an early age. You, if you <clears throat> took a child from any country and any culture who's just old enough to sit up, and you put him in a playpen with a rabbit and an apple, They'll all chew on, lick, eat the apple, and play with the rabbit. Mm. You put that same rabbit and a new apple in a cage with a baby lion, with a baby tiger, and they will eat the rabbit and play with the apple. (laughs) Instinct. If you get us before our instinct, if you get us uh, before we become enculturated, It'll you'll determine. So you'll grow up thinking. I mean, I've sit across uh, across from somebody who's um, from a village in uh, in China and uh, that eats live monkey brain. Yeah, and they're gonna say, "What are you talking about? I can't. Life's not worth living if I can't have monkey brain once in a while." But you know, if they if they didn't know that from childbirth, right. then yeah, right. What or bull um, testicle? In, in, it doesn't matter. What are your thoughts on? I, I think the argument some people will say. Now you're not a meat eater at all. You're more like almost raw. Not you're, you said you're not so much raw vegan, but raw vegetarian. You're, you yeah. really try to focus on on yeah, on, yeah. on that side. But on the vegan side, you're you, you'll eat eggs or not? Occasionally. Okay. Um, the argument people will say for for meat and cooked meat is that there's a higher dosage or say concentration of protein bioavailability getting from cooked meat compared to your vegetables is that true or what's the no, argument there? no no that and that's a very good point um when we talk about uh protein what we're talking about amino acids there are 20 amino acids okay um every animal that eats uh that eats uh there are what they call essential amino acids and non-essential 
Essential are ones that they cannot make within their bodies, so they have to get it outside. The non-essential ones are, once they get the essentials, they can modify them to produce the So non-essential being like, you talk about glue, uh, glue something to me. Glutamine. Glut glutamine. Uh, I deal with well, one called uh, L-theanine, L-tyrosine, non-essential amino acids. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's about eight, depending, eight, nine essential, and the rest are non-essential. So um, uh, you've got to get the essential. So when they talk about a complete protein, what are they talking about? They're talking about one really that has all of the essentials. What are the essentials? Well, there's there's the branch chains, the lysine, glute, um, beta-glucan or no? No, no, beta-glucan is something different. Yeah. Okay. But, but anyway, so there's, there's eight of them. And then you, you have to get those in your diet. Otherwise, you're going to be malnourished. Okay. Now, all of those are found in plants. All of those are found in meat. And all of those are found in mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's no, there's no place you can't get them. Okay. And in terms of percentages, I, I got to show you a chart. It's pretty much the same. It's not that different. Even in terms of the protein itself. Well, the like, amino acid, okay, is the protein. Okay, so for for example, like uh, I think the the carnivore diet people will argue and say, yeah, I can eat, uh, um, you know, uh, how much? I guess the weight. Let's call it like thirty grams of broccoli. Let's say thirty grams of broccoli or fifty grams, whatever. And let's say there's six <laughs> grams of protein, but you're actually what's you're not actually getting that six grams of protein fully because it's that's not all bioavailable. Is that true? Which in the plant? Like if no, no, if if is. if you go and take a nutrition, uh, go online and say, okay, I have uh, fifty grams of uh, broccoli in terms of weight. There's six grams of protein within that broccoli, but I'm actually not getting that six grams. Not all of it is bioavailable. No, it is. It is. Okay. In fact, in a plant, it's more bioavailable because it's our it's it's actually our natural diet. And think about it. If I eat a big complex protein. I've got to break it down into its constituent amino acids because my my intestines can only absorb amino acids. You can't absorb a protein. You can only absorb an amino acid. Okay, I got so it. So you've got to break it down first. So the more you have more energy, the more uh, work required to break it down and then absorb it is with, when you're eating a steak. But in a plant, you're going to have smaller proteins, less. It's easier to break down, absorb the amino acids, because it's the amino acids that we need. We don't have an we don't have a protein need. We have an amino acid need. All right, and just like we don't have an all fat need, we need omega threes and omega sixes. That's it. We get those, and we're going to make all the rest. Uh, <clears throat> carbs are carbs. So, and those are the three macronutrients. So, um, uh, the difference is, is when you get the plant, you also get phytonutrients. You also get um, uh, bioavailable minerals. You know, there's magnesium, calcium, and there's more magnesium. There's more calcium in spinach than there is in milk. Only mm. it's bioavailable. And iron. And yeah, yeah. And so you get all of that. And then the other thing, the very, very important thing is you get this fiber. And the fiber, clean. you need to have undigestible uh, fiber, which is cellulose. Uh, so it was only digestible by microorganisms. So as it's going down, it's cleaning the gut. Now we have a, carnivores have a very short gut. Okay, it's their gut is only about three times the length of their trunk. Okay, vegetarians, the, 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 the length of their gut is eight to nine times their gut, mm. uh, their, uh, their trunk. So, for example, ours is 30 feet or 10 meters, our gut. So, you figure my torso is what, maybe what, a meter? May, I, yeah. Not even. Yeah, not even a meter. Not even yeah. a meter. So, 10. You know, yeah, 10 it's pretty high. That's, that's the ratio. So, that long ratio is because you need plants to be going through there and cleaning it out. 
And then when you look at right where the small intestines enters the large intestines, it's called the ileal cecal, cecum valve, right? Mm -hmm. And then it goes in, and there's a little cecum, which is a, poc, a pouch hanging off here. From that cecum is the appendix. So now, if I'm eating unpro if I'm eating food that doesn't have fiber, doesn't have cellulose, it's going to go in. It's not going to go down. It's it's some of it's going to fall down into the into the cecum, but there's no movement, and it's just going to go up this way. So my cecum will contain stuff for decades. Mm. So when they say life, a uh, death begins in the colon, what they're talking about is the cecum, and uh, only prolonged fasting or uh, colon hydrotherapy can clean out the cecum, and you've got to clean it out. <clears throat> I had a woman who had an anaphylactic reaction to corn. She almost died with the corn at the age of 12. So she couldn't. She, she had, she, uh, you, know, so, you, know, the, you know, the kind of allergy where, like, people that get a bee sting, they're going to die. They have to give themselves, yeah. they have to give themselves a, sh a shot of adrenaline, right? <clears throat> Same thing. She got that anaphylactic reaction. So she couldn't eat corn anymore. So she came to my clinic. She was in her late 30s, I think, or early 40s uh, with cancer, breast cancer. And uh, on her 18th colonic, a piece of corn came out. From 30, wow. yeah, 12 years old. My God. So where was it? It was in the cecum. It's the only place it could be. Yeah. So that's, I'm just showing you that that cecum, it, it remains, it doesn't move. It becomes full of mm. that. So anyway, what's cleaning out the cecum is that fiber. So as you're eating fiber, it it brushes it out and, cl and cleans it out. The appendix is the nursery for microorganisms. That's where we keep all of our microorganisms to replenish us if we what need What happens them. if you lose your appendix? Well, then you don't have that nursery. You don't have all these extra. Uh, I, don't, so you, I don't have mine. You'll get a, you're, you can get a dysbiosis really easily. You've got to eat healthy foods. They've taken it out when I was in Taiwan, but they did microsurgery. It was oh. microscopic. A couple holes. No, I don't have a scar or anything. Just pop, 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 and wow. I, I don't know. I, they said it was going to burst. I had like, I think they said I had an hour. Wow. But I, I don't know if it, it's the surgeons making money because in Taiwan, like their healthcare is amazing. Like I remember I was in the hospital for three days and paid like a hundred bucks or something. Wow. So I'm not sure. Is, is there a certain time where maybe I, I would need to get that taken out? There's just. Rarely. If it, if it bursts, if it ruptures, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Usually I, I've had people with a severe appendicitis. We can, we can get through it. Well, because Hans, you're doing a juice cleanse now, right? How's that going? You're probably tired, That's eh? Terrible. Yeah, your I'm energy. So tired. <laughs> yeah, he has. He... What are you drinking? Uh, well, carrot juice, um, veggies and fruit juice. Okay. Well, yeah. I would do just the veggies. Just the veggies. Just veg. Don't don't do pure carrot juice. That's sweet. That's as if you've got any kind of candida in your body, um, it's loving it. I'm adding some turmeric and. Uh, what about ginger? Do, here, ginger yeah. A good, a good, uh, a good basic juice recipe is you use cucumber and celery for your volume of water, and then spinach, kale, broccoli. You can do that to get your um, to get all your phytonutrients. Then add some lemon because you might have bitterness from the, um, from the plants, and then you add a couple apples to 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 take away the sourness from the lemon, and then you you wind up with like an exotic lemonade, um, not too sweet, just sweet enough to enjoy it. Um, and, uh, but if you're, you're doing like beet juice or carrot juice, it's easy to drink because it's so uh, sweet. It's so sweet. But if you're feeling terrible, if it's only day two and three, that's put it, push through. I did 30 days and you'll, you'll 30 you'll, days. 30, yeah. Easy. And uh, we can survive. 
not only survive, thrive. 60, watch a video called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Mm. Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. It's on, it's on everything. Netflix, YouTube. Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. This guy did it for 60 days. Joe. From, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I've, yeah, I've heard yeah, of this, yeah. 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 But you can do it. You can not only do it, you you get a chance, you get a renewal. You get your body renewed. And it's easier to do than a water fast. The water fast, you 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 do actually run out of energy after two weeks. But with a juice fast, you're like, you know, you're still running around. You get extremely alkaline, clear-headed. If you find yourself a little bit like spacey, just you take um you take some sea salt and take like a teaspoon of sea salt, put it in a half a glass of water, and just drink it. Do that a couple times a day. It gives you your salts and stuff like that. But just keep, just get through this part. Go get a colonic. Get your colon cleaned out. But actually, where, if you're, where if, could they do that in Thailand or in Phuket? A colonic. Tanya Pura is the only place. Tanya Pura. The only place I know of. Yeah, and yeah. A. My my nurse is there. A. Okay. Kun A. So anyway, she. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would do that. But just push through it. Get away from it. so sweet because you don't want to change your microflora. Um, yeah. And, and how just, much are they drinking every day? And as much as juice? you can. A minimum of two liters. Two liters minimum. And like, is that? You, do you fast, like, do you do a 16-hour fast and then get going, or? No, no, you do this all day. No, but I mean, like, from the last one, you'd say take Well, that's if you're eating. Even, so, okay, so you don't need to be fasting. Not if you're juicing. Mm. So you're, you're not, you don't need a 18-hour uh, gap between your last meal and first meal. You don't What's need. What's the, di the major difference between a juice fast and a water fast in terms, uh, in terms of health benefits? Well, a, a juice fast is not a fast. It's a feast. Mm. Okay, it's, 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 it's just basically a liquid diet. And you're getting more nourishment, you're getting more nutrients in one liter than the average person gets in a month. Because the amount of vegetables that go in one liter, you couldn't eat. Yeah. So you're drinking two liters, three liters, you're getting, wow, all this, so far from malnourished. So you're getting a ton of nourishment. Mm. And you're getting an 80, 90, 90 to 90 to 95% is water. So you're flooding, in other words, you're changing the water in your aquarium. Should you be doing uh, like um, a coffee? Is it? Enema? Is, no. Yeah. No. It's not, well, I mean, you can, you can, but those, yeah. that's good for your liver. That's a whole different okay. discussion. Yeah. But, so that's what a juice cleanse is. But when you're on a juice cleanse, it's a cleanse. It's not a fast. It's a cleanse. Uh, you're cleaning and you're supplying all these nutrients. Uh, you're getting extremely alkaline because all these plants have uh, minerals like magnesium and calcium. You're getting very alkaline. Um, what about the, the what about? Water is different. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to interrupt there. Um, yeah, so a water, it's a water fast. Is that more for the health benefits? Because it's, is the, would the word be rejuvenating your cells in that sense where right. you're kind of shedding, like as we shed skin, but like internally your, 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 your cells are almost, let's, what would you say? Mitochondria? It's like rebuilding itself. Well, you do that with, 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 with the, with the juice feast as well. You are rejuvenating. You're, you're doing that too. But the water fast is different because when you're, as long as you're eat, drinking juices, you're still on the glucose roller coaster. You know, your glucose is going to go up and your insulin is going to go up. And you're still metabolically very active and all that sort of thing. When you're on water, you go into ketosis. Okay, you're on water. You start burning fat. And then your body, um, so your ketones will be really high, your glucose will be low. And what happens is your body now uh, needs glucose. So it goes on a scavenging hunt to find all of the non-viable tissue in your body Eat and ah. recycle. So what is non-viable? Cysts, tumors, uh, plaques in your artery. Anything that is not part of your physiology will be eaten and recycled. So basically, by doing a water fast, you totally clean house. 
you get a renewal. How, what, what is a, a, a program or protocol you would recommend for a water fast? Like in terms of what are you drinking? How much water per day? Do we add salt? How many days can we do yeah, it? Yeah, well, for? again, again, you can do, if you get over two weeks, you want, you're going to need some supervision. Yeah, no. um, but I mean, like if I do what, 48, 48 hours is probably. That's easy. nothing. Just drink water. That's nothing. But that's the hardest part. The hardest part is the first three days. Day four, you're going to wake up with no appetite. You'll, you'll say, oh, I'm great. You just got to get through the first three days because the first three days you're, you're, you're in a battle with appetite. How long have you done water fast? 18 days. You've done 18 water. days. But obviously that's not recommended, let's say. Well, it is. It is. You can do that and you, you should do that. With supervision. Well, yeah, it depends yeah. on, on how sick you are. Most people you can drink, just drink a ton of water. And like I said, twice a day, give yourself some sea, uh, Himalayan sea salt. Just yeah. do that, rest, and you're, you will be a new person. What if... Um, if you got any viruses or whatever that was going on. If I was to gone. do a juice cleanse, would I, should, I do, should I do a water fast, then a juice cleanse or a juice flat? No, do, ju do juice five days. Yeah. Or do, do juice, uh, yeah, five days. Then you can do f five of water and then five of juice. Okay, so Hans, you ready? You got another five. Five, five, five. <laughs> five, five, five. Right, right, or, or, or seven, seven, seven. Or so, yeah, so let's do seven, seven, seven. What day are you on for juice? Five juice, seven water, five <laughs> juice. Hell. Five, seven, okay, five. Yeah. You could do it. I'll do like one, one, You'll one. You'll be a new person. You'll be a new person. I 100% I, I believe it. I, I I think I, I think I could do it, but also I, I'd have, you'd have to do it based around a schedule. It's almost like you're going on a vacation. I don't think mentally I'd be able to do this. Mentally, I wouldn't be. You couldn't go to the on gym. On juice, you could. On juice, you could. On a water, like, what do you recommend the no, person No, the first does? two weeks, you're fine. On water? Yeah. You can go out, you can go to the gym, you can... Well, you wouldn't go to the gym, but right. you, you can go out and go walking. Could you go for a run? You'll be feeling energy. You wouldn't... You, no. There's no need to. There's but no need to because you're cleansing. Kind of go, go, you know, take it easy a bit. Take it easy. You go to the store, you can do what you need to do, but you're not going to go to the store Have that you, much. What about so working, like brain power? You, you have, have it's their issues. Do your you body's going to make you, 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 you're going to feel fatigued, especially depends how toxic you are. So mm. what I tell people, if it's their first water fast, let's do some colon hydrotherapy. First of all, switch to eating just salads for like a week. Big, wonderful, fantastic That's salads. I do every day for lunch. That's where I'm at. Okay. And then nothing else. Just eat salads yeah. for a week. Then go in and do a juice fast for like seven days, 10 days, 14 days. Do a good cleanse. After that, then you could do some water if you want to. Or after that, go back to eating, but eat a healthy diet. You, you just need to get your body used to it and then do water. But do water five, seven days, 10 days is nothing. When you're on that water fast, can you be adding cucumber infused? No, 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 no. Water is water. Okay. And at which point do you do the, the, the what's it called? Enema? The, the enema. At the, like if you go to Tanya Pur, you do that at the very end? A beginning, middle, and end. Okay. And you would do three. That's easy. That's the protocol. All right. Well, we probably ended up t talking two hours, right? Yeah, it's two hours. Well, I, I knew this would happen. Yeah. I think we could, we'll have, we'll do another one probably in a couple months again. Um, okay. Well, thanks uh, for Dr. Thomas Lodi for joining us again. Um, I'll make it easy where to find him. Um, and, and you can just find him on YouTube, Dr. Thomas Lodi or Instagram, Dr. Thomas Lodi. Um, I'll kick it back to or you. Have a website, Dr. Lodi. Is there anything we'll kick it back? Um, is there anything you want to plug anything you're doing? People can look out for, um, any seminars, anything like this on the Island or anything you're looking to plug? Well, uh, next, uh, Wednesday, the 30th at what time is it? 7am. 
but you might be not up for it. But I, I'm going to be doing a webinar on um, on cooked food. Uh, the name of the webinar is "Cooked Food Is Poison." On Instagram. In, uh, no, it's a webinar. So how would they find that? Just go to my website, drlody.com. Drlody.com. Dr. Lodi, not Dr. Lodi. Or Dr. Thomas Lodi. Both, they're both Tom, the same. You'll figure it out, yeah. yeah drlody.com. Yeah. And um, and then just look for that. It's it's on there. And uh, sign up for the webinar. And then you'll just, you just sign up. You don't need to pay anything. Yeah. Just sign up. And then at that time, tune in. And it'll be on cooked food. It's called Cooked Food is Poison. Okay. But uh, but every Monday, if you can, 7 a.m., I'm doing live on both Facebook and and. Instagram. Yeah, and if they join that webinar, I'm, is, is, I'm assuming it's almost a Zoom meeting that they're this in. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, so turn your microphones off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Turn your microphones off, guys. Yeah. And then, uh, and then also, uh, if you have any health, if, especially if you have cancer, uh, I do consultations. So you just, okay. what you need to do is just go on my website again, book a consultation. If you or a loved one has cancer or anything like that, um, I, it usually takes a minimum of an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. I don't stop until we're done. Uh, and at the end, I give you uh, a, a, a recommended plan on what to do considering your situation. So let's say you're, you're living in, um, I don't know, Africa and you can't travel right now and you're stuck. Okay, so let, how are we going to make your, how are we going to make you cancer free where you are? Or you're over here, you know, whatever. So, and then. Um, what, what about if you don't have cancer and to call it like preemptive and you don't want to get cancer right yeah, could, yeah they could book a con i'd be interested in that book a consultation and they could come see you and and i'm assuming you would walk them through their lifestyle and just kind of uh give some suggestions or do you create a program how does that I have work? A program i'll create a program and now are you um creating a program every time to the individual that you consult with based on like their lifestyle, what they're eating, their daily habits? Right, I, I am, I am, but I'm getting them towards the real, the, 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 my goal is to get them into a human lifestyle, a human health, healthy lifestyle. Yeah. But you gotta keep in mind, we're all the same species. We all have the same needs, basically, yeah. right? We have different appetites and different tastes. Mm. That's what that's what's different about us. Yeah, because I'm I'm assuming you'll get clients that will come in and like, you wanna change a lot, but maybe they can't get rid of oh, yeah. meat. Right, right. And then do you work? You work around sure. that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You can't. You don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to be vegan. You don't have to be vegetarian. Yeah. You don't have to. And if you're gonna eat that stuff, let's make sure you're doing it in the best way to stay healthy. Okay, that wraps it up. I'm sure he'll be back again soon. Uh, lovely having you again. Thanks a lot, and uh, see you later. I know. I never know how to finish this. What do you got? What do you got? <laughs>